Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yan, and today is segment number two of Lessons in Redemption. What we're going to talk about today is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever happened to it? Is it gone? No, in fact, it abides inside of you. It's called the nature of the flesh. Inside your flesh is both good and evil, but the good that you produce, that's not what God wants. He wants divine good, which comes from the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that today. Fascinating Lessons in Redemption. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I began a series yesterday that might last into tomorrow, maybe a day or so. I don't know exactly how long it's going to last, but lessons in redemption. I'm coming back to some of the most fundamental basic points of the Word of God. What I'm going to be teaching, I'm teaching from the book of Romans. So I've offered my book on the book of Romans. I often say my book on Romans. No, that's, that's God. Okay. He wrote it. I'm just telling you my viewpoints from the book, but also amplifying what I'm teaching here. I also have another book called Theology Simplified. And the first chapter of that book deals with this very same subject. That's the subject of redemption. And when looking at all the other things God has done for us, we have to start with redemption. Romans 5.12 is where we were yesterday. And this is where we began. Wherefore, as by one man, that one man is Adam, sin singular entered into the world, and then death through sin. And so death passed on all men because all have sinned. It's simply pointing out your problem is not your problem. For once in your life, you can actually blame somebody else. It ain't my fault. How often do we hear that? It's not my fault. Yes, it is. You chose this, chose that. But here's something you didn't choose. You did not choose to be in Adam. Adam chose for you because he and his wife walked into the slave market All of us are born in the slave market because children of slaves are slaves. And so we went into this yesterday. And again, this is brought out in the book of of Romans, also in the book that I taught again on Theology Simplified. This very simple concept is that Adam and Eve walked into the slave market of their own free will and what they did of their free will passed on us. We had no choice. So we're born in the slave market. Jesus Christ came and died for us And the problem was in the slave market is that once you walked in and the door was closed behind you, there is no exit from the inside. Someone on the outside has to open up the door, but there was no one there. I'm sure Satan must have had a small party that day or a major party, is that Adam and Eve were the only two that were on the earth and they both walked into the slave market. There was no one on the outside to open the door and Satan himself is going to open up the door. And so once Adam and Eve were in there, everybody born is born in the slave market. You're born a slave. And so we're born a slave to sin, born a slave to Satan, born a slave to the world system. And it takes someone on the outside to open up that door. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ came and died for us and paid the price that we couldn't pay. Why? Because to get out of the slave market, there's a price. And of course, a slave gets paid zero. And all the things we try to do to get ourselves out of the slave market, I'll be a nicer slave than this one. I'll work 10 times harder than this slave over here. Well, 10 times zero is still zero. I don't care how hard you work. You're not going to get out because you don't get paid for being a slave and there is no redemption price there. So we're stuck in the slave market. Oh, there's some respectable slaves. There's actually governors, mayors. There's actually presidents of countries. I mean, prime ministers. We can go down the list of things of important people. 
people. But what happens is if you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're just jockeying inside of the slave market for a position. And we have people constantly jockeying for a position thinking, if I just have more power, if I just have more this or that. And in essence, we're trying to save ourselves and you can't save yourself. Not only can a slave not free himself, a slave can't free a slave. This comes down to religion because one of those born in the slave market was Buddha, Mohammed, Joseph Smith. We can go down the list of religious leaders born in the slave market and to think that a, a slave can get you out is simply the blind leading the blind. They can't get you out of there. It doesn't come from the inside. Redemption has to come from outside the slave market and Jesus Christ was born in freedom. Adam and Eve were created in freedom, voluntarily walked into slavery. Jesus Christ came into this earth born in freedom and was tempted just like Adam and Eve, even higher, tempted in all points as we are, but Jesus Christ never said yes to Satan one time. Offered the kingdoms of this world, said no every single time, and then went to the cross and even at the cross, he still didn't die. For his sins, he died for our sins. He had none of his own. And after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he could be raised from the dead. Why? He paid for our sins. He had none of his own. And when he was raised from the dead, he grabbed the keys of death and hell and on the way up, opened up the door to the slave market. And now the slave market door stands wide open. You know what the good news of the gospel is? Not that you need to do anything to get saved. Just walk out. The door stands wide open. I said this yesterday, and that is one of the stupidest things you can do is stay in a jail cell when all the doors stand wide open all the way out to the street. That's what Jesus Christ did. And the beauty of it is the, our message today is the message of reconciliation. It's not what you've done that puts you in. This is what Adam did that puts you into this. But what Jesus Christ did was come to undo what Satan had done, undo what Adam had done. And Jesus threw the doors wide open for us. All you have to do is just walk out. Yes, but I'm a prostitute, just walk out. But I've been into homosexual, just walk out. You're not here because of prostitution. You're not here because of homosexuality. You're here because of what Adam did. And Adam separated you from Jesus Christ. In Adam, all die. But you do have a choice to get out of him. And in Christ, when you choose to get out of him, in Christ shall all be made alive. There was a day when I said no to Adam and died to Adam. And I said yes to Jesus Christ. I was reborn into the body of Christ. And today I am born again. Now, one of those things is brought out in that verse of scripture, which is amplified today is this, is that by one man, sin singular entered into the world. And then death came through that sin. The sin I want to amplify here is singular in this verse of scripture. It's not referring to the sins you produce because sins come from sin. Again, I said it yesterday. Let me qualify that. Sin in the singular is like the mother fly. We're going around swatting all these flies all around the house, you know, and if we could just find that mother fly and kill her, man, we'd stop all these babies from being born. We actually within us have the source of sins but the source of sins is sin. And the moment that Adam sinned and came against God, the nature of the flesh came in because another word for sin singular is the word flesh. It's a reference to where sin abides in us, but also is the fact that it is the key to all the sins around it. If you can learn to conquer the nature of sin or the flesh in you, you won't have all these sins that keep on being produced. So the beauty of it is, is even though we're born again and I still have the nature of sin in my flesh, I have the new nature of Jesus Christ on the inside. Adam died from the outside in. The moment that Adam sinned, what happened 
happened was, is he died, first of all, in his flesh and the nature of the flesh entered him. Then it went right on in and killed his spirit. He became separated from God. Jesus Christ saves us from the inside out. The moment I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I have spiritual life on the inside of me. And then... I can learn to withhold and stay back and resist the temptations of the flesh. Again, I want to come back to it. And that is another term for the sin, singular, is the nature of the flesh. The world has it and Christians have it. But what the world doesn't have is the new birth in them, the greater one that lives on the inside. And even though I still have the nature of the flesh in me, in my flesh itself, I have the nature of sin here. In my spirit, I carry Jesus Christ, his righteousness, the presence of of the Holy Spirit, and on top of that, the fullness of the Godhead dwells inside of me. So I have more than enough power, more than enough victory to walk over sin every single day. And on top of that, if I do sin, I can come to the Father through 1 John 1, 9, confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive me my sin, and I'm no longer under the control of the flesh. Another term for a carnal Christian is one that's under the control of his flesh. He's being controlled by his flesh. So we see the world really has no place to turn to because they are not born again. The Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of them. We as a Christian still possess the nature of the flesh, but we have a new nature in us, which is far greater than the nature of sin. And when we learn to walk in that nature of the Lord himself, when we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So in essence, man died twice when he ate. Instantly, he died in his spirit, then progressively he began to die in his body. And again, like I said, the curse entered from the outside in, but redemption occurs from the inside out. My spirit's born again. The very first thing that happens to me, next of all, my soul progressively begins to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like him, and I then have the mind of Christ. The last thing that's gonna be redeemed will be my body and my body will be turned into a resurrection body. But again, we talked about this. We talked about the slave market. Let's come back to this. What is sin? Again, for us, by one man, sin singular entered into the world. The flesh is another term for sin singular. And when you talk about those two terms, they are literally synonymous one with the other. You have it as long as you live on this earth, but the moment you die, since the nature of the flesh, since the nature of sin is in your body, the moment your body dies, you're free from that nature. And you go to be with the Lord. You do not have the nature of the flesh when you go to heaven. Since flesh is attached to your body and your body's still attached to the dust of the ground, which still carries a curse in it, you're under a particular curse in this earth, but the what you have inside of you is stronger than that curse. And until the day you die, you'll constantly, in the meantime, still have the temptations of the world, the temptations of Satan, the temptations of your flesh coming at you, but you have the greater one on the inside of you. Genesis 2.17 says this. Look at Genesis 2.17. Here the Lord is speaking to Adam, warning him of that tree. And the tree is, again, like I pointed out yesterday, it's the only no tree in the garden. God gave him millions of yes trees. I mean, fruits of all kind and beautiful trees that just were nothing more than just for good looks. And I mean, all kinds of things grew on those trees, but there's just one tree. Out of the millions of yes trees, there was one no tree, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.17 says this, but of the tree, of the knowledge, 
of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Why is the word surely brought in there? Because the word die is mentioned twice. And here's what the Lord said, in the day that you eat of that tree, dying, present tense, you shall die, future tense. And here's what it means. In fact, uh, many of your translations have this in the margin right there. It says, dying, you shall die. And what it means is by this, the moment you eat of that, you're gonna die spiritually. I mean, in a one split second, you're gonna die instantly, but then it's gonna set up a process in you that you, listen, before that time, you never would have died physically, but now you're gonna die physically. And with some, it took 400, 500, 900 years today. If you live to be 70, 80, 90, you're doing very well. But every one of us, except for those in the rapture generation, are going to see physical death come into our life. So here's the point. What is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Think about this. It didn't contain one thing, it contained two things. And that is, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. You know what people have often said? Well, they already knew good. All that was introduced was evil. No, the good that was introduced to them was a good they had never even known before, human good. All that Adam and Eve knew in the garden was divine good, what came from God. And there was no human good, but the moment that they ate, they were blinded toward God and they started producing their own good. Their own good was human righteousness, what comes from the flesh. And the same flesh that on one side produces human good, on the other side produces evil. So it's the tree of the knowledge of good, human good, and evil. We'll get more into it in the second half of this broadcast. Enjoy yourself as you find about the product that we're offering, and I'll see you right after halftime. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the Book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Thanks for rejoining us. I hope your head is not swimming. I hope that little break right there helped you to pull your thoughts together because we're going right back into it to help identify what happened when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, I want to come back to it. The tree had two sides to it, the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. And so people have often thought, well, Adam and Eve, all they knew was good. So what that tree introduced was evil. No, what Adam and Eve had always known and only known was divine good, all the goodness of God, the trees around them, all the gifts of God around them, perfect weather, everything around them and they were alive before God. I mean, they were spiritually alive. They didn't even know what spiritual death was, but what happened was that tree introduced two things, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up until that time, they had only known divine good, but there was another good they did not know, and this is human good. This is our good works. This is man's substitute for divine good, and on the other side was evil. Notice this, that tree produced both good and evil. Understand what I'm about to say. The nature of the flesh is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam and Eve ate, that tree became a part of them. And the first place it entered into them was into their flesh. And they immediately, at that moment, had the nature of sin singular. It then went on into their spirit and killed them spiritually to where they died twice the moment they ate of that tree. But our flesh, which is the tree, produces both good and evil. Understand this, if you're not born again, you can still produce human good. It stinks in God's nostrils because it comes from that tree. It comes from the curse. And the moment that Adam and Eve ate of that tree, they died to spiritual goodness. They didn't understand understand. In fact, the moment they sinned, they knew they had sinned. And the first thing they did was they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Is it important to cover yourselves with fig leaves? Well, when you look at each other, realize I'm naked and you didn't know it until that time. You look for anything. But what's the first thing they look for? Human good. They wrap themselves up with fig leaves. And of course, fig leaves are temporary. Anything from the flesh is just temporary. And that tree was just temporary. God had to go and kill an animal, wrap them up in skins, which lasted years and years in essence, comparing eternally good to temporary good, in comparing human good to divine good. And when man comes before God, the sad thing is he often comes and presents human good to God. Look how nice I've been. I've gone to church all my life. I don't think I've been that evil compared to my other friends around me. I'm much better than they are. And the Bible says, your own righteousnesses and that is human good coming from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is as filthy rags in God's sight, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It all comes down to this. Your goodness cannot get you anywhere in the kingdom of God. In fact, it drives you further from the kingdom of God. My wife and I, when we first got married, we couldn't afford much of a trip at all. And our very first trip was living in Tulsa. We got Got enough money scraped together and we went down to the uh, coastline of, of Texas and we went down there. And of course, we'd never been there. And of course, it's not as beautiful as California or Florida or especially Hawaii, but it was the closest thing to us. And we just wanted to go down there and we did. And while we we're down there in our little Toyota, we noticed people would park on the beach. There's places up here in the parking lot, but often they just drive down there and, and put a and put a blanket out and eat their lunch. And we thought, let's do that. So we drove down there and I'm not one that's driven on sand very much, but you know what? happened when we got through and threw everything in the trunk and got inside, I started to leave from there. And all that happened was I put it in gear 
we could only afford a stick shift. I put it in gear and the rear wheels begin to turn. Maybe it's the front wheels. Anyway, the wheels begin to turn. And you know what? Instead of getting out of there, we kept digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I tried backing up and it always got deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> Finally, some guy walked over and knocked on the window. And I said, what? He said, straighten out your front wheels. I said, oh, so I straightened out the front wheels and sure enough, wrong, we came right out of there. The point of it was, the harder I tried to get out of the hole, the deeper I was digging. That's what happens with the nature of the flesh. You think you can go to heaven? Well, just try with your own energy to get to heaven. Brag about how many churches you've gone to. Brag about how many old ladies you've helped cross the street. Brag about what a wonderful husband you've been, an honest businessman you've been, and see how far that gets you with God. The further you try to go with God, you keep digging yourselves deeper and deeper deeper and deeper. So in essence, it comes back to this. The nature of the flesh is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want you to notice this, both good and evil come from the same source, your flesh. And that tree, your flesh produces both good and evil. Here's the problem. The world tries to get themselves out of evil. They know they are in evil. So they try to get out of evil by good and both come from the flesh and in the flesh dwells no divine good thing. In the flesh dwells human good, but not divine good. And so here's what happens is man constantly, when he does something evil, tries to cover it up with something good and then hopes when he stands before God, one day, the good will outweigh the evil. And the point of it is both come from the flesh and both are abhorrent in the sight of God. Only divine good can get you out of where you are. You cannot produce divine good. You have to come to another tree. And this tree is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only through that one did Jesus Christ conquer death and conquer sin singular to where now when we're born again, we have a whole new concept, divine good given to us. It's how we get saved by casting ourselves on the mercy of God, not offering any of my own goodness to God because as it says in Isaiah, my own righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I stink in God's nostrils. And therefore, I can't come to him with my own goodness. I have to come to him through the goodness of Jesus Christ. And the moment I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, I am given salvation despite the fact that I still have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in me. And here's what happens when a person who is a Christian starts to sin. We call them a carnal Christian. The word carnal means meaty or fleshly. In other words, it comes back to this, that a carnal Christian is under the control of the flesh. In other words, a carnal Christian, even though he is a Christian, imitates the world. Because the moment that you sin, the Holy Spirit in you has no more control over you. Oh, he still lives there, but he's waiting on you to confess your sins, get yourself right before God so he can again claim control of your life. But what you're under the control of right now because of sin and your refusal to admit it is you're under the control of the flesh. And you know what? You imitate the unbeliever. You go right back to, oh no, I've done things wrong. I tell you what, I'll go to church more. I'll give bigger offerings. Well, listen, Sinners do that. It doesn't make them a Christian. What makes you think you're going to now be spiritual because of that? Oh, listen. Uh, and then all of a sudden, because you try so hard, you bounce back over here into sin. And then you get guilty and feel guilty for it. You try to be good again. And this constant back and forth. And you're in the same position as the world. That's why you're called a carnal Christian, because a carnal Christian imitates the unbeliever. He's not an unbeliever, but he imitates the unbeliever under the control of the flesh. Our flesh which is the tree, produces both good and evil. Until the time that Adam and Eve ate, 
They only knew divine good. This tree was the introduction of human good, man's substitute for divine good. I'm gonna give you a couple of words found in the New Testament. These are Greek words, and both of them line up with the two types of good I am talking about. The two types of good I'm talking about is human good and divine good. And divine good was all that Adam and Eve knew until they sinned, and then came the introduction of human good. And that human good was part of the tree, and the other side was evil. They had never known evil, but on the other side, they'd never known human good either. And the moment they were presented with their problems, instead of trying to get themselves right with God, they tried to make themselves right with each other. This is a whole teaching in and of itself. You see, what man is trying to do today is if he can be good to his fellow person around him, then certainly he'll be accepted by God. If you and I can get along, then, then I have an open doorway with God. God says, no. It's not your relationship with other people that makes you right with me. It's your relationship with me that makes you right with other people. Adam and Eve tried to get right with each other. And what they did was they offered or they put themselves fig leaves on. They tried to be all right with each other, thinking the moment we're all right with each other, we'll be all right with God. That's man's problems is you cannot get right with other people and then think that's going to get you into heaven. You get into heaven by faith in Jesus Christ, divine good. And then you can learn to get along with mankind around you because you see life in a whole different perspective. Okay, the two Greek words I was going to bring out. The first word is the word agathos, A-G-A-T-H-O-S. Agathos, we get the word agatha from that. I'm sure you're delighted to name your daughter Agatha. For, pardon me for all the girls out there named Agatha. Wonderful name. It comes from the Greek word agathos, which means divine good or good of intrinsic value. And the next word is the word kalos, K-A-L-O-S. And the word kalos means temporary good. Agathos means divine or eternal good. What I'm saying is this. Let's just suppose on the table here, I have a diamond, a five-carat diamond. Right beside it, I have a piece of blueberry pie. If we're going to define the good that each one of those produces, listen, I love blueberry pie. My mom made the best blueberry pie in the world. She's died and gone to heaven. So no one can even get close to how well she made a blueberry pie. And especially heated up with vanilla ice cream on it, melting over it. Oh, man. Here I am lusting already. And anyway, but that's, that's, I always remember my mom can make the best blueberry pie. But you know what? It, the value of that blueberry pie only lasted a while. Then after a while, it'd spoil and all that other stuff and, and go bad. But right beside it, I could put a five-carat diamond. You know what? That five-carat diamond might already be three or 4,000 years old, but you can't see it because why? It's got good of intrinsic value. And here's what the Lord is saying. You're coming to me offering me a piece of blueberry pie. I see that it's a good piece of blueberry pie, but what I'm offering, what I have to have is divine good on the other side. I have to have that five carat diamond. That's the difference between agathos, and that is good of intrinsic value, has lasting value, has value that actually goes up through time, and the other one, which is just a temporary good. Romans chapter seven and verse 18 says this about the flesh. In the flesh dwells no good agathos thing. In my flesh, in my, the nature of the flesh in me calls sin. In that dwells no eternal good at all. So a sinner can't come from his flesh and expect eternal life. And a Christian can't come to God through his flesh expecting to get back into fellowship with God. It's got to come through the work of Jesus Christ and his blood. It's the blood that saves a sinner. It's the blood that also cleanses a Christian once you're born again from those daily problems and daily sins in your life. One is the shedding of blood. One's the 
sprinkling of blood. One took a lot of blood to save me, but it only takes a drop or two to bring me back into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and your flesh can't save you. And as a Christian, your flesh can't bring you back into fellowship. I don't care how hard you try, it's still comparing a piece of blueberry pie to a five carat diamond. It all comes back to this again, folks, and that is following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then after that, following Jesus Christ as your Savior into the deeper things of God. Romans chapter eight and verse eight says, so that those that are in the flesh can never please God. And that's an admonition to Christians, not an admonition to the world. Those that are under the control of the flesh can never please God. You gotta get out from under the control of the flesh and back under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what a blessing this has been today. And I promise you, we'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.